Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like great banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Hey everybody, congrats on not killing yourself. Welcome to The Voices in Our Heads. I'm your girl, Christina Marie Hutchinson. Honored to be the voice in your head. Um... If you're watching this, well, if you're watching this and it's on YouTube, then a lot of time has passed. Um, but <laughs> but if you're if you're um, watching this in a clip later, uh, I just need to tell you that my face is peeling off because I got a chemical peel. Ha- shout out to at Heal with Chris, C-R-Y-S. I'm actually going to see her later today to get my vagina waxed, Brazilian style. Being a woman <laughs> involves a lot of removing things. Remo- first, uh, also, first of all. <laughs> This is like the fourth thing I've said. My pubic hair was curly like my head. And it, and up until not that long ago, I thought everybody's pubes were curly, you know, but they're not. Um, if you have straight hair, your pubes are straight, apparently. And I, that always fascinated me. And, is that uh, true? Yeah. Do you have straight pubes? Uh, or wavy. Like your hair's wavy. It's not like super straight. But mine are like curl, like Jerry curl. Yeah, that I believe. But but let me tell you something. I got a wax. Shout out at Hila Chris, the woman who's been the closest to my asshole, my clitoris, and my vagina opening. Um, with a bright light, too. Oof, nobody deserves that. Sorry, girl. Um, she doesn't mind, though. When I got the last wax, the most recent wax, which is about a month ago, the pube, or no, month and a half, maybe two months at this point, the pubes came back straight. What the fuck? I have straight pubes now. It's wild. It looks like my vagina got a blowout. Um, so I'm going to go get those waxed off today. And then maybe when they come back a fourth time, they'll be red or something. Who knows? Um, but I'm excited to find out. I want to try. I did a video. And that went viral. Thank you. It's 2.1 million views. Okay, cool. Um, when I got my first ever Brazilian wax, I wanted to film it because I thought it'd be hilarious because I overreact to everything. Every, I mean, one day I won't, but probably not until I die. Um, but th- I want to make a video. I think I'm going to make a video later today. If my face isn't too peely of the same shot, me on the table, but I want to see if I can not react whatsoever as the hairs in and around my vagina are being ripped out of my skin with glue. We'll see. I will say one thing about the peeling face. I don't know if you ever did this, Michael, but when I was, when I, when I was a kid, I would take Elmer's glue and glue and pour it all over my hands and fingers so I could peel it off. I did use, yeah. I it used was to do so that. fun and cathartic. It was a fun ADD trick when yes, you were in like exactly. middle school. Yeah. Before it's the fidget spinners, do. there was Elmer's glue picking it <laughs> off your hands. I did that all the time. And uh, this, the peeling, it's it's not too bad right now. This morning it was really bad. It's, it's like that exact texture. It's like Elmer's glue is being peeled off of my face. But the thing is, I can't peel it. I have the little scissors. I have it in this little pack right here. These little tights. She said, cut it, but do not peel it. Do not move the skin off. The skin has to shed naturally. It's the whole point of a chemical peel is you're using your body's natural process. I forget. She told me, but I forget it. But you know the drill. It's It's been really hard. It's been a huge challenge not to peel my face off. And if you notice that I sound sick... Well, you could thank Mikey Big Dong Dicky Coscarelli. Not confirmed. That yeah, we can it's thank confirmed. Me. I think mine's a uh, sinus infection. But. N- well, uh, no, <laughs> it's not. It's just not because I got it. OK, 
Can I get a sinus? Wait, maybe I can get a sinus infection. I think sinus infections in- are contagious. Well, sinus infections, I think, are bacterial. And I although I don't know, the urgent care doctor said it might be. We're just viral. making shit up. But we did spend. We spent like three days yeah. out of the week together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was four. Bound to happen. This is four for the uh, oh for shit. This week. Right, because the guys who fucked and then yeah. guys who fucked and then guys who fucked and then this. So it's um, very possible because I've been sick since about Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I I went through two boxes of tissues in the past two days. There was a time. There was a there was a moment yesterday, in the morning, which always sucks, where I was like, oh, and like every noise, I'm like, oh gosh. Sh- quiet like everything was just jarring yeah that's that was the that's the feeling i have when you um, wake up sick it's one of the worst feelings because you know the day is ruined yeah you know? yeah 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 that's the spirit yeah, yeah. honestly yeah <laughs> usually in the mornings i feel good but yesterday morning was when i i went on a run uh-huh. and i was like okay let me just get this run out of the way and then i wasn't feeling sick yet but then after the run i came home i slowed down and i was like mm, i don't like this i don't like this at all and then i was it was lights out uh, I didn't die, clearly. But uh, I am very sick. I'm ill. I'm not very sick. I just, it's the sniffles. And you can hear it in my voice. And I will say, I do hate when, I hate hearing, <laughs> except when it's me, I don't care. But when it's somebody else, jump off a cliff. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Apparently that's an ADD thing too. If you like, if certain sounds, everything's just an, ex- everything's ADD. Uh-huh. Certain sounds. If, we all like, got it. If they piss you off or irritate you or like trigger you or whatever, that's ADD. Um, oopsie poopsie. I have it. Um, yeah, but I'm running. Oh, okay. Might as well throw this out here just in case. Cause you never know. Crazy things have happened to me in my life and, uh, I don't put limits on what the universe can give you. Okay. Um, uh, we're going, Corinne and I are going to Los Angeles, uh, for Valentine's day. We have a show on Valentine's day at the comedy store. We have two shows cause the first one is sold out at 8 PM. The second show is at 10 30. Now, we could have just gone to L.A. and sold out that first show and just been like, good for us. We're the shit. Let's enjoy our L.A. trip. We don't got to promote the show because it's already sold out. And then our agent was like, do you want to do a late one? And we were like, yeah. And now we're like, oh, God, no one's going to come to that one. So you have to buy tickets to the 10.30 p.m. I mean, only if you're going to come. If you don't buy tickets and not come. Um, 10.30 p.m. So do your Valentine's Day dinner. Go with your girls. Have sex with your mate and then get dressed. You don't have to wear anything fancy, but you can because I am. But you don't have to. And come down to the main room at the comedy store for 1030 p.m. on Valentine's Day, baby, because Corinne and Christina got you. Okay? It's going to be epic. The live Guys We Fuck shows are off the rails. They're very fun. They're very fun. We we love them because we never know what's going to happen because they're all interactive. And let me tell you. We just do a trust fall with our audience and we just show up to the venue. We write the thing. We, you know, we plan it out what we want to do, but we don't know what we're going to get. Okay. So we just trust that you, the audience are going to deliver your part and then we're going to deliver our part. And it happens every single time. Okay. I'm talking prank calls. Yo, we had some good ones this last show in New York city. We that did. Was, that was a good one. Yep. And she talked to that girl. She, she, we had one prank call and we tried to set it up so that, if you've seen our live show, then you know. Um, we try to set up the prank call segment where we're like, okay, we want to get pissed off at somebody and then prank them. And the prank call is never, it's never bullying, okay? Because that's very important. Like, we're not going to fucking bully, even if the person was is a huge piece of shit. I'm not bullying him. That's that's lame. Um, but we want us to tell you to tell us a story about a guy, because I don't want to prank call a girl, I only want to prank call a guy, who's done you wrong, who's did you dirty. Tell us the story 
tell us what happened. We're all going to get pissed off. And then I'm going to, we're going to craft a prank call where he's not going to know it's you because I have a fake phone number because your girl's prepared because I've been prank calling since I was fucking five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Used to be star six, seven. Now I just get a burner phone. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, but a lot of times when they come up to tell us, a woman will come up to tell us a story and she's pissed, but she'll tell us. And then he didn't date me. And we're like, mm, yeah, I'm not mad at him. I Do you remember the one that we had? I think it was, um, in the, the, the Halloween show mm-hmm. where the, the, one of the women came up and was like, I was kind of seeing this guy for a week. And yeah, the, it, the running group. Yeah, Some, yeah. yes, yes, we yes, were yes, just yes, yes. Like, uh, all right, I guess this is. I know. It sounds I feel, like he just doesn't really like you, but okay. Yeah, it was a case of that, and I feel bad because you know, not when we ask for a volunteer, when we announce the segment, we ask for a volunteer. It's going to take a second for somebody to say yes, I'm going to do it. But we don't want people to like want to make the show like, oh, I feel bad. No one's saying yes, so I'll go. I don't know if it was that kind of thing or if she was mad. Sometimes, and I, girl, I've been there. You're mad at a guy. And it's easier to be mad at him than accept the fact that he just doesn't like you. It's (laughs) happened to me a lot of times. And every time I blamed it on the guy and every time it wasn't the guy's fault, he just didn't like me. (laughs) He has shit taste, but it's okay. You can have shit taste. This is America. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I love the prank call segment. And so I'm, I'm just so excited for the Valentine's Day show because we, Corinne and I are rarely in LA at the same time. The last time we did the comedy store together was the first time we ever, ever did the comedy store, which was maybe six years ago. We sold out the main room. It's very proud of us. And, um, and then we sold out the main room again, but this late show, girl, can you buy tickets? Cause <laughs> ticket sales are low. We just announced it, but still it's going to be really fun. So there's that. I won't be sick. Oh, this is, this is why I was bringing that up. Yes, to promote the show, but also, more importantly, I want to rent a luxury car while I'm in Los Angeles. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's my birthday on February 19th, and I'm not going to do anything this year for it for once because every, honestly, every time I do something, which has been every time, I'm like, oh, this is so stressful. Why did I do this? I don't necessarily regret it, but I also fantasize while the event is happening. What would it be like one year to just be like, to just do nothing? That kind of sounds freeing, you know, because it's just so stressful because you got to worry about people showing up. And then you got to worry about like people texting you while you're hanging out at the party thing. And they're like, sorry, I can't make it. And you're like, can you just tell me tomorrow? I'll see that you're not there. You know, I don't let it hurt my feelings. It's my birthday. Fuck you. You know, Um, but because I love my birthday and I love February. I love my birthday month um, because I celebrate myself all month and I, I buy myself things. And um this year, I kind of want to rent a Ferrari. I want to rent a or a Lamborghini. Uh, I was on the Turo app. A lot of people are like, go on Turo. There are Lamborghinis from the 90s. Your girl wants 2023. Um, that are not that bad. $250 a day. $250. That's great. And I could get a 2024 Corvette for $250 a day. However, I already drove a 2023 Corvette. And the 2024 Corvette kind of looks like it's... It, it reeks too much of a midlife crisis of a man, you know, that I'm like, eh, this just feels like some guy got stoned in his 50s and then just like made something on the computer and then 3D printed it out. You know, it, it just doesn't. I Look, the Corvette engine. Oh, take me to church. But um, 
I've already driven a Corvette. I've rented a Corvette in LA before and I want to try something new. And I was like, I, what, are, what are the other cars I can get? I don't know. Um, there was a, May, a Maybach. I mean, that's not like a cool car, but it's like a boss car. Um, a bunch of Mercedes, a Porsche, a Porsche. Yeah, mm. I want a good engine. I want an engine. I want to smoke everybody at a light. You know what I mean? So does anybody have a hookup to a luxury car? I was also considering a 60s Corvette because, oh, Shelby Stingray. Yeah, Stingray. Fucking t- marry me now. Let's go to Vegas. Um, I'm very sexually attracted to cars. It's weird, um, but it can be taught because it was taught to me. Um, my parent, my dad and brother didn't teach me to be horny for cars, but that's just what ended up happening. Um, maybe I taught myself that part. Uh, but yeah, do you live in Los Angeles? Do you rent out luxury cars? Can you hook up your girl? At Christina Hutch on Instagram. K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A. My DMs are open, baby. Speaking of open DMs. It's time for some fuckboy theater. Hello, hi. Welcome to Fuckboy Theater. I'm your host, Patricia Cornwall. And... Today, we are going to take a look at an Instagram DM from a young piece of shit named Rod, Roddy. Rody? Rody. Let's call this piece of shit Rody. Um, and she, he's talking to a, a woman named Alex who's probably perfect and has never done anything wrong in her life because she's a precious, sweet angel. Okay? This is an Instagram DM. This isn't even, even a dating app. And by the way, DM me your atrocious dating app conversations at Christina Hutch. Okay, let's go. Fuckboy Theater. <sighs> hey, cutie. You have a beautiful smile. Can I have your opinion on something? Thanks. And opinion on what? You're welcome. It's kind of provocative. Crying laughing face emoji. Just say what you have to say. Do I know you? LOL. LOL. I don't think. Would you consider 11 inches too big? Yeah. Ever seen one that big? I have not. Can I show you? <laughs> sure. And then he sends a picture of it. And, uh, like, I hate, it's big. It's big. It's big, but it gets bigger. It's like the thickest in the middle. And then it gets, it's not thin at any point. But, like, at the base, it's a certain thickness. And it's the same thickness right before the Darth Vader helmet. But in between there, it's, like, a little... It's, like, you know when an anaconda eats a rabbit and there's, like, a little bit of a bump? That's what it looks like. (laughs) Okay, next one. This is a bio. This is a dating app bio. This is Chase. He's 28 years old. (laughs) And his bio, the first thing he wants you to know about him is such. I'm a Scorpio. If you ain't trying to pop that pussy, I'm good. Kissy face emoji. This is Tinder, not eHarmony. LOL. Kind of looking for a girlfriend, though. Not going to lie. <laughs> That's his bio. What a complicated He man. just, you watched his different personalities show up in his bio. This is, okay. Now, this is a guy's hinge profile. <laughs> this is the prompts that he answers. This guy, okay, if I, ugh, I'm annoyed. I hate him already because if I saw his picture, I'd be like, what's up? But he sucks. Well, maybe he doesn't suck, but he probably does. Um, okay, James, piece of shit. Um, the prompt he answered, I'm going to read two of them. 
One prompt he answers is green flags I look for. No kids, a nice smile, a little bit of a dark edge. By the way, this guy looks like David Blaine and not a liberal. A lot of women on here are going to be single forever or settle for inferior men due to bad life choices. It's a shame. That was his first prompt, green flags that he looks for. Okay, second prompt, unusual skills. Now, in this picture, and I'm annoyed because, like, yes, he looks like an absolute utter douchebag, but I still kind of want to fuck him based on the photo. But then if I read the bio, I wouldn't. But based on the picture, I'm like, what's that tongue do, you know? Um, Okay, unusual skills. Apparently, my anti-skill, that's not the prompt, is being attractive online. Because I can go to a club or a bar and take home the baddest chick in there. But it's hit or miss online. And scene. Thank you. Thank you. That's fuckboy theater. Guys, DM me your fuckboy theater screenshots, okay? I want to see them. I want to see them. Um, okay, after you've hooked me up with your luxury car rental, thank you, appreciate it. And by the way, didn't mention this. I'll pay for it. Just can you give your girl a discount? I don't got unlimited money. I act like I do, but I don't because I've made poor financial decisions because I bought a house all cash with my parents instead of taking out a mortgage. And then I re- and then I stopped talking to my parents. And then I realized that I have to pay taxes on all that cash that I wired to my dad. <laughs> Where are we going to get that money, Christina? I still owe the IRS. Okay. Um, I'm cur- I, well, I'm currently watching. I already watched it. I binge watched it. I've been, I binge watched it last night. Um, American Nightmare. It's a docuseries on Netflix. It's a quickie. Three episodes. They're an hour each, but <laughs> you'll want to take them all in at the same time. Um, whew, this, this story is wild. It's fucking wild. The Vallejo Police Department in California can suck my cock. Okay. Matt Mustard can suck my dick. All right. Matt Mustard. Got rewarded Detective of the Year in 2015. See, this is every time I watch a documentary, I just want to come on this microphone and whoever the group that was doing shitty stuff, I just want to middle finger you and say, suck my dick. Okay? That's what documentaries do. No one watches a documentary and they're like, I feel great. Now I want to like, you know, I'm inspired to like go right. Nope. You just want to get pissed. Um, this is a wild story about a chick, a, a couple. They got a break in. And I'm going to give I'm going to give stuff away. Just P.S. Um, it doesn't like I guess fast forward if you don't want to hear shit. But like the way the story unfolds, it's you're going to be just as riveted. Um, but my God, the, basically, this guy broke into his woman's house, uh, a couple's house. Young couple, cute. And they kidna- they blindfolded everybody, uh, both of them and they kidnapped the lady. And then the guy was zip tied and then they put a camera on him and he's like, don't call the cops. And then he eventually calls the cops because he's like, I don't know, does that camera work? And the cops were like, why do you, why are you just now calling? And he was like, well, um, I'm sorry, but I was zip tied and the guy drugged me with NyQuil and I've taken NyQuil before. That shit's strong, okay? It's strong. And he had to chug a bottle of NyQuil. So obviously he fell the fuck asleep. And anyway, then the police were like, did you do it? Which, fair. You got to do your due diligence. But then, then they were like, did this bitch even get kidnapped or is she just pissed at you? And I was like, uh. Is that due diligence? What? <laughs> did you do it? Yeah. 
Yeah, no? Got okay. yeah, no. Well, he said no. They didn't really believe him at first, but they, they eventually believed him. And then the guy, she, the, the girl's actually kidnapped. And then she talks about, oh, this is it's crazy. You don't think that the girlfriend is alive anymore, but then she appears in the second episode. Again, spoiler, sorry. It just It's still riveting. It doesn't matter. Um, but again, I hope you fast forward because you had the choice to do that. So don't get mad at me. Um, and she's alive and she describes the kidnapping experience. And she's like, this fucking blows. And then... The cops start going, wait, is she making this up? And she's over here trying to live, you know, trying to survive. She was kidnapped for a total of 48 hours. The guy eventually drops her off. And I'm leaving out a lot of details because I'll, 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 I'll let you find those out in real time. But she gets dropped off at her parents' house hours away. And the cops were like, this bitch faked it. And she wasted our valuable, precious resources. Because guess what? The press got all over this narrative because she was a white blonde lady. Ooh, America loves when a white blonde lady goes missing. Ooh, oh, jacking off, just jacking off to it, huh? And then she finally escapes. She thought she was going to die because the guy, the guy raped her. And so, of course, he could very well kill her. Ended up releasing her, just dropped her off at her parents' house, said, when I pull away, count to 10 seconds, then take the blindfold off. And she did it because she was like, I don't know, are you in the fucking bushes with a gun or what? What's going on? And the guy said, don't tell the police officers I was in the military because he was in the military. And he talked about his PTSD that he has. And uh, don't tell anybody that we had sex, that you were raped. Uh, And if you do, I'll kill you and your family. And she's like, well, shit. Well, shit. And then this bitch finally gets out of a very traumatic experience to all of these headlines in the news about her that she made it up. And she's like, I'm sorry. What the fuck? Can you give me a second? And then all the press comes to her house. America, the press, press is also very bad in England. R.I.P. baby girl, Princess Diana. Um, she was a, she was an unfortunate tragedy of the press in England. Um, but in America too, it's like, ugh, it's so slimy and gross. Basically, the cops led the press to believe that this woman was making it up. They didn't ask any further questions. So they just ran with this narrative that this bitch is lying. She wasn't. But they were so consumed with the fact that she was lying when the kidnapper returned her that she he was they, the cops were like, I don't know what you're talking about. I got to go. And then and you're like, oh, fuck cops, dude. Fuck cops so hard. But then near Lake Tahoe, this lady cop who joined the police force because her friend was raped and saw what her friend went through to try to get justice. And she was like, fuck that shit. Misty Cruz. I'm pretty sure that's her name. I want to shout her out. Yeah. Misty Cruz. Love Misty Cruz. Matt Mustard, thumbs down. Misty Cruz, thumbs up. She joined the police force for good because her friend was raped and it was not handled well. And then she fucking stays up all night and figures out that they detained the guy who kidnapped the blonde lady. <coughs> Sorry, Mike got me sick. <coughs> um, and yeah, yeah, whoops. Uh, no, it wasn't whoops. Um, and, uh, it's just a crazy story. It's a crazy story. The guy who ended up kidnapping was so perplexed why he was reading the newspapers of the town that she was in saying that she was a liar. He got annoyed. The guy who kidnapped and raped her got annoyed that the police didn't believe her because he's sitting back in his home going, yo, I absolutely raped and kidnapped this bitch. What? And then so he gave a tip, an anonymous tip to a reporter that was like, Yo, that police department is fucked up because I did kidnap and rape her. And they're saying I didn't. And I want, she probably feels even worse. And I'm like, this is so strange. 
it's so strange. He's like doing good things after doing very bad things. It's just very, it's very weird, but it gives you, um, it's just a lot of twists and turns. So I highly recommend it. It's very interesting. Uh, miss, and, and then you realize, you know, it gets you down on police officers, just like, fuck all y'all, fuck all y'all. And then you just think of like all the awful stories that you've heard, but then you meet Misty Cruz and you're like, that woman's a goddamn hero. And she's in the police department and she, we need her as a cop. Because she wants to solve crime and have integrity and morality and it's nice. So, you know, yes, they're, they're, your feelings towards police will be extremely damaged uh, for the 87,000th time hearing the beginning of the documentary. But they will be maybe a little bit restored uh, when you hear Misty. But yeah, this fucking documentary is crazy. It's nuts. Okay. Okay, guys. I'm going to read. I'm going to read a section. I'm going to read a section from this book. How We Live... It's how we die. Now, my boyfriend and I have a running joke because I, I love saying the title of this book as like the most obnoxious British announcer, like the most obnoxious British British newscaster, like the one that's like, here's Sting's million dollar mansion. You know, that guy, Robin or whatever his name was. Um, so sometimes we'll have like a like a like a like a one off like see to see who can do the worst most crippling, annoying British accent, and I want to call him and see if he'll do it. How we live is how we die. Ugh, ugh, that was a good one. How we live. Hello. Hi, darling, how are you? Good, thanks, how are you? Good, can we hear your impressions of how we live is how we die? (laughs) Your best one. Okay, hold on a second. I'm in the gym, so. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Okay, hold on. Hold on a second. This is where you get when you get me. Okay, here we go. So, <clears throat> how we live is how we die. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> how we live is how we die. <laughs> how we live is how we die. <laughs> oh, that was good. Okay, thanks, darling. Have a great workout. How we live is how we die. Ugh, God, I hate when British people talk like that. Okay. (laughs) That was a fun little cameo. All right. This is a great chapter because this is a chapter that I need to hear. Okay. How are we doing on time, Mikey? We're doing great. 26 minutes. I've only been talking for 26 minutes? That's right. Well, fuck. Okay. 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 Maybe this will be a short-ass episode for once. I always try to keep it to like 40 minutes. We'll see. All right. This is chapter 15 of Pema Chodron's How We Live. So we die. Ugh. Okay. Um, the third step to courage. Ugh. 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 I want to give you a heads up on this chapter because I listened to it on, I listened to the audio version last night, like over and over again as I was cleaning my apartment. And, um, it essentially the message I'll, I'll give it to you ahead of time so that the, maybe the words will like hit a little deeper. Um, the message is that the, the really scary, terrifying emotions that you don't like feeling craving, jealousy, envy, that's the same thing. Um, you know, all that, all those feelings. Her point in this chapter is basically these are act. You're lucky to experience these emotions because these are your gateway to being truly free. And I'm like, wait, what? I don't know if I believe that because they feel like ass when I feel those things. Um, but turns out the key is to not react to them. And am I capable of doing that? 
No. 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 Uh, okay. So, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. All right. All right. Chapter 15. How we live. That's how we die. The third step to courage. Emotions as a path of awakening. Ugh, I already have the willies. The third method of working with our emotions, the third step to courage, is to use them as a path of awakening. The idea is to allow ourselves to experience the energy of the kleshas. And then when she says klesha, I'm just going to say the scary emotions because it, it, that's the shorthand of it. But like, I really want you to know that like, it's a wild concept that your scary emotions can actually lead you to like the most beautiful feelings you've ever felt. I, I do believe that she's right because she's a smart lady and has written a lot of books. But boy, that's a scary thing for my ego to, uh, to consider. So instead of saying kleshas, I'm just going to say scary emotions. All right. The idea is to allow ourselves to experience the energy of the scary emotions fully and directly. In doing so, we discover that they contain all the wisdom we need to wake up. An unshakable confidence comes from this experience. <laughs> A confidence that brings fearlessness in life and in death. I'm already pretty fearless. I'm not... Thank God I'm not afraid to die. I mean, I'm. you know, my ego is going to be afraid. Like, if I'm on a plane as it's crashing, I'm not going to be like, oh, oh it up. You know, I'm not going to be like chilling. But... um. But overall, I'm not afraid to die. <clears throat> As I have said, we all come into this world with co-emergent unawareness, which is a basic misunderstanding of how things are. You're telling me, girl. You're telling me. There's people that are adults that still have a basic misunderstanding of how things are. And you're like, wow, maybe you shouldn't double park in Williamsburg when there's Saturday traffic, you piece of garbage. We believe we have some kind of stable identity. Something that makes me, me. Something um, something separate from the rest. Ugh, this is that age-old saying of, you're not special. Sorry. Based on this misunderstanding, we find ourselves constantly getting hooked by a myriad of pleasures and pains the world has to offer. Oh, <laughs> say it again for the people in the back. Our mind gets completely wrapped up in scary emotions and all the trouble that goes along with them. The teachings say that this painful process will continue until we wake up from our unawareness completely, until we see ourselves and all phenomena as they really are, fleeting, insubstantial, and wide open with possibility, never separate from the basic ground, never separate from the cosmic mirror. Okay, I kind of get what she's saying. I've read this book so many times, and every time I'm like, I, I get it a little bit more, but I'm still mainly confused. The term co-emergent ignorance is interesting because it implies that ignorance doesn't appear alone. Ugh, this is a good one. The Buddha taught that wherever there's confusion, there's also wisdom. So confusion and wisdom go hand in hand, which is a wild thing to think about. But just, just, just ponder it for the rest of this episode. Co-emergent wisdom. Whenever we get hooked, whenever our scary emotions get triggered, whenever we temporarily lose our bearings and act out in destructive ways, <laughs> me all the time, we are in the grips of confusion. But that very confusion is inseparable. Inseparable. I lost my place. That very, wait, that very confusion, well, I lost my place, is inseparable <laughs> from our deepest wisdom. Again, confusion and wisdom. They're besties, apparently. Didn't know that. Could have used that in school instead of learning how to sew. <sighs> in the traditional analogy, confusion and wisdom are like ice and water. This is a beautiful analogy. Ugh. Which are mo both made of the same molecules. 
The only difference is that ice is frozen and water isn't. Confusion is based on having a frozen view of ourselves and the world. It's a product of our discomfort with the groundless nature of how things are. Because, baby girl, things are groundless. And I know we want to think that they're not. But they fucking are, okay? The cosmic mirrorness of how things are. Most of us experience that wide open space as groundlessness. Anger. Ugh, craving. Got a lot of that every day, all day. Jealousy. Sometimes when someone tries to hit on my boyfriend in front of me, I'll push him. And all the other clashes, scary emotions, are part of this discomfort. If we don't have effective means of working with them, they can ruin our state of mind and harm not only us, but the people around us. Yeah, especially road rage. This is why we learn to work with our emotions. <laughs> Again, could have used a class on working with our emotions instead of, I don't know, home ec. No one gives a shit if I could build a birdhouse. Using our emotions as a pathway of awakening is based on simply letting the emotion be, which is a wild concept if you're a double Pisces ass bitch like me, because boy, when I have a feeling, I'm going to react to it. And I'm just, it. it's like every time I feel one of these scary feelings, I'm like shocked that somebody could feel these things. And I felt them a lot. And every time I'm shocked, it's like when I get my period. I'm like, why am I so cranky and angry and sad at the same Oh, I forget every month, every fucking month I forget. And then I'm like, oh, right. I'm kind of like that whenever I get when I get wrapped up in these emotions. Um, Okay, I'm going to read that sentence again. Using our emotions as a path of awakening is based on simply letting the emotion be just as it is. I say simply, but letting anything in our mind simply be is easier said than done. No shit, Pema. No disrespect. The ego feels at home only when it's meddling, trying to fix things. Ugh, isn't that so true? Like your nosy ass neighbors. It's always telling us that we can't leave anything alone. So we need to be patient and cur- uh, so we need patience and courage if we want to learn how to let our scary emotions be. We, ugh, it's so hard not to react to having a, oh my God. Just do- not judging yourself. And the world and everybody around you when you're in the throes of, let's say, jealousy or rage. Oh, my God. It's so hard. The le- when I'm when I have feel rage welling up in my my bones and somebody tries to rightfully calm me down. Oh, that makes me so much more mad. Oh, my God. I get so mad. And then sometimes I'll be in a position like I think I talked about this story oh, uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, I was in the passenger seat, Colin was driving. We were on our way to a, an event and the guy behind us was in this Big Mac truck and he was fucking tailgating us to the point where you looked in the rear room mirror and you're like, is there a truck in my asshole? What? I'm sorry. And he kept honking and Colin chose to not run a light to make the turn and he like almost hit us and I, oh, was bubbling, baby. Oh, I was bubbling my bones and I took my seatbelt off and I was going to get out of the car and just look at him because I'm improving and I'm evolving and I'm not going to do anything except go, what, 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 bitch? All right, I won't say bitch. I won't say bitch. Maybe I would have said bitch. Who knows? But my point is, Colin stopped me. He goes, don't get out of the car. And I was like, and then my anger had nowhere to go. Oh my God. I was seething the rest of the day and probably the next day. Because that, I mean, if Pema was here in front of me, I'd be like, where do you put the emotion? Where do you put it? Because, yes, I tried to relax, but my rage didn't have an outlet. And now, I mean, am I going to get a tumor? Maybe, well, maybe that's what running does. Anyway, 
We first have to give the scary emotions enough space so we can actually see what's happening. We need some perspective on our emotion. This doesn't exactly mean distancing ourselves from the scary emotion. It's more like positioning our mind in order to see clearly, which is so hard to do when you're in a fit of rage. Doing so requires us to practice refraining. (laughs) What's that? Never even heard of that. It requires a mindful gap before we speak or act. Man, I've been the one thing my, my parents, oh, my dad would always say, Christina Marie, take two seconds before you say something. Two, just think. And I always, always used to be like, I'm not dumb, dad. I know. But he's right. That was good advice. I still can't do it. I've been being told, I've been getting told that since I was like four. It's hard to have any perspective when we're activated. Yeah. Having a clear perspective, we let ourselves experience the emotion as fully as possible. This is similar to letting ourselves feel what we feel, but it goes further. In this practice, we want to learn what the emotion really is. Now, this is a gorgeous little metaphor we're about to go in, okay? Instead of putting into the category such as positive or negative, which is what I always do, like this emotion's bad, this emotion's good, we try to contact its energy directly and intimately to get to know its very essence. Oh, the energy of rage. We want to know it, not merely with our conceptual mind, but deeply with our heart and our full being. Yes, we do. Anam Thubton, I don't know if I'm saying that right, makes the distinction between ordinary scary emotions and conscious scary emotions. Ordinary scary emotions, I'm replacing the word klesha, don't forget, are what we're familiar with. For instance, when we're in a state of craving, it feels unpleasant. We lack perspective on it. And we usually react in harmful ways. Yep, yep, and uh uh-huh. Conscious scary emotions are where the wisdom lies. When we go beyond our propensity to be bothered by craving, when we come to experience it as a form of wakeful energy, which is very interesting because as somebody who has been addicted to a lot of drugs and activities, the ener- when you're craving the thing and you're, you're quitting it and you're craving it, I remember when I quit smoking, I started again, sorry. Um, but when I quit, I quit for about two years or a year. Um, and I, I was pissed. And in that, I wish I read this book while I was quitting. I'm going to quit again. Um, but not right now. Um, but I, I know when I quit again, I'm going to be pissed when I want a cigarette and I'm not going to get one. And the little inner brat in me, my inner twat comes out and is like, but I just drove a cigarette. And I just like have convinced myself that I'm missing out if I don't have a cigarette, even though the opposite is true. So I, but I totally get how stopping a craving and just sitting with it, you're experiencing like a, a wave of electricity because the, she's, this chick is right. Pema is right. She is correct. The energy of these emotions are, it's, they're very electrifying and they're very wakeful. Like they do wake you up and your girl loves an upper. So, um, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to try to employ this when I, when I go to quit next, then the emotion loses its power to disturb us. Instead, it becomes something precious, part of the preciousness of life. By relating to our emotions in this way, we discover their enlightened aspect, the wisdom that is co-emergent with ignorance and confusion. It is always present in each and every one of our scary emotions. To contact it, we allow the scary emotion to just be what it is. Then the ice will melt and we will experience the open, flowing quality of water. So basically she's saying, okay, so a clasha of craving. You good? That was really loud. I didn't, I didn't hear anything. 
I did. You did? Yeah. Oh, my bad. I got sonar hearing like a dolphin. Um, uh, so craving, craving and the opposite of craving. What is, does she, does she use that as an example? Basically, there's like a really positive thing at the, uh, on the other side of that emotion. So if you just stay with craving and you relax your, the muscles in your body and you just breathe and you stay calm and you just exist and you can notice how it feels, the, the craving energy. And you can notice your thoughts as you don't give yourself the cigarette or whatever it is. And then you can realize that the energy of craving, if you relax into it and the ice melts, it's very electrifying. This is not easy. Not only does it take practice to contact the wisdom in the scary emotion, but it also takes practice to distinguish between the two, between wisdom and non-recognition. How can we tell whether we're experiencing a neurotic aspect of the energy or a wakeful aspect? Very good question, because too many of us are neurotic, including me. Often the clearest evidence is found in our body. Generally, our ordinary clashes correspond to some form of physical contraction. We feel a tightness in our stomach or our jaw, or perhaps more subtly in our heart or solar plexus. When our emotions are in the ember stage, this, con uh, this contraction may be hard to detect. But if we practice tuning into our emotions and our body, then physical tightness can serve as an indicator of when we're caught in an ordinary scary emotion or clasia. So, yeah, it's all about getting in contact with your body, which is why your girl loves running. Because it may, I feel so in my body when I run all because I don't bring my phone because fuck that. I'm so happy to like not have a phone. And I don't I obviously don't wear headphones. I don't listen, I don't listen to anything. I listen to my breath and it's very relaxing. And it's really cool because you can really tell, like, how is my body feeling? How are my legs feeling? What is tight? What feels loose? And uh, and so when you have all these scary emotions, there's almost always a physical sensation attached to it. We just don't take the time out to notice it. And if you take the time out to notice it, you're using your observational brain. Now I'm combining all these books into one, um, all these authors. But uh, it's just it's just really good for you and for the world. By getting in touch with the physical sensation of our neurosis, we come to know the feeling of wisdom as well. From this point of view, wisdom feels like relaxation, expansion, openness. Instead of fighting with our emotions, we let them motherfucking be, okay? We don't act them out or repress them. We simply let them motherfucking be. We simply connect with what they feel like. Instead of tightening up and with our strong opinions and storylines, we relax and allow the co-emergent wisdom in our scary emotions to speak for itself. I fucking dare you to do that this week, guys. If we practice in this way, our emotions themselves will become our most direct path of awakening. Oh my God. Am I like 39 minutes? How much? 42. 42. I did it. I did it, you guys. Thank you so much. Um, congratulations on not taking your own life because it's tough here on planet Earth. We chose to come here and uh, we a lot of us regret it. But you know what? We're going to do good. We're going to do good. We got this. Life is beautiful. Or it can be with that attitude. You know what I'm saying? Uh, make sure to follow me online at Christina Hutch. My debut stand-up comedy album, Good Girl Barbara, is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase on Apple Music. And uh, I am headlining Bananas Comedy Club in New Jersey, right across the river from New York City, this Friday and Saturday. Um, I have no idea how tickets are. Can't imagine they're great. 
Um, so buy tickets. Uh, link in my bio, in my Instagram bio. And make sure if you're in Los Angeles on Valentine's Day, you come see Corinne and I at the main room of the Comedy Store at 10.30 p.m. Love you, bitch. 